Hi, I'm Brianne Bennis, and this is No End in Sight, a podcast about life with chronic illness. Quick reminder that I started a Patreon account recently, so if you've been enjoying the show and you have a couple bucks to spare, I'd be so, so grateful if you'd sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash noendinsight. And I want to add a quick note here that I am recording the intro-outro from an Airbnb in Boston just because of my own bad planning, so it might sound a little bit different. And in fact, this interview was done while my house was being re-roofed. And I don't think that you can tell, but if there's any kind of quick, weird moments, I prob- I promise that they pass quickly. Um, so it's not a bad sound quality episode, but I just want to acknowledge that there might be some funny blips. Anyway, today I'm talking to Joseph about myalgic encephalomyelitis and trying to explain your illness and your limitations to your friends. Joseph also talks about looking for support as a cis man when there are so many more women in online support spaces with Fremi. So I don't think I'm doing justice to that part of the conversation, and you'll just have to listen to hear what I mean. Before we start, here's my disclaimer. This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Make sure you talk to your practitioner about any questions or symptoms. I like to start by asking, were you healthy as a kid? Uh, yes, I was. Um, I thought a lot about this because um, obviously it's a thing that doctors ask quite a lot, um, kind of like a really standard screening question. So, um, yeah, I've sort of <laughs> turned it over probably more than I ever would have Yeah. Uh, if I'd you know been otherwise healthy in, in adult life. So, yeah, by any measure, really. Um, kind of the usual scrapes and knocks of like, you know, colliding around in the playground, um, the occasional like sporting injury and stuff, but very kind of like, you know, your leg hurts or you broke bone in, uh, I broke my collarbone once, for example. Um, while that's not like perfect health, it's not the sort of thing I necessarily associate with chronic illness. Yeah, uh, like I don't... nothing that's stuck around kind of. Yeah, exactly. It was, you know, there was a thing, it it happened, it was wrong. There was an acute period where it altered my life a bit, and then I just snapped straight back to normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and I think that's that's common for kids. Weird stuff yeah, happens yeah. to kids because they're still getting used to their bodies. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, pretty much. And, you know, I was really, really active. Uh, played, like, half a dozen sports, uh, I think, as a child, all that up until I was... 18 really um and yeah so nothing really to report uh, i <laughs> i cracked my head open once swimming that ah. was not great that was probably the worst of the like crashing into things uh period. did you get a concussion uh yeah so i yeah i got a um concussion and uh the pool filled with blood and made a lot of small girls scream quite a lot it was in a public swimming bath so um ah. it was pretty 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 gnarly but like um broadly traumatic but yeah yeah <laughs> um it was on like a school trip and uh so the school phoned my mum to say you know your son's like just like hurt himself he's going to the hospital in an ambulance and my mum got to the hospital before the ambulance oh because she just like left work straight away and like drove like twice the speed limit to get there yeah and then was just waiting around in the hospital like where is he? What, like, what's happened? And then no is one this knew an emergency? Yeah, yeah. That would um, be its own thing. But um, yeah, they they glued my head back together, which was like a 
thing that I wasn't aware happened. It feels yeah. like quite cyberpunk thing to do. Yeah, that you um, can glue injuries and like that that is yeah, a yeah. medically condoned idea. Yeah, yeah. I I'm mean, pretty sure you can actually buy skin glue. Like, I don't know if that's it's yeah. probably not what it's called, but like there's a kind of home wound <laughs> yeah, glue heard about that you can that. get. Ugh. Yeah, yeah, no. Some, some, it's like with like certain types of wounds or something where you, you can just do that instead of having to stitch it up. But yeah, yeah it was pretty funny. Um, yeah. It made all my hair around it go kind of um, like flaky and rock hard. Uh, it was just so irritating. Um, so I, um, I cut it all off one day, and uh, my mum was like, "What happened to you? <laughs> like, what was going on?" It's like a secondary like, injury. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that was bad, obviously. But again, it was like, oh, that was very painful. Um, I have a cool scar on the top of my head, and that was it. You know? Yeah. Then life kind of continued. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I don't want to sort of, I guess, skip it too far, but that was pretty much the case all the way up until my mid-20s, I suppose. Okay. Um and then did things did things change kind of gradually for you? Or did you have an acute moment when you were like, something is wrong with my body? Yeah, um, like a really, really acute moment. Um, it's quite strange, actually, to sort of think about things like that. I mean, it's, it's really interesting talking to other people in uh, sort of various chronic illness communities about how you know, they got to where they are or, you know, whatever kind of happened, but... For me, it was very much like this body doesn't see, feel like the same one I went to sleep in the night before. You know, it, it wasn't just like, oh, you know, I feel ill. It was like something just seems so different and, and my body seems to be responding so differently to um, how it does to normal basic things that, yeah, it's just very, very strange. So on at the time, it was very obvious that it was acute. So what happened was in... In November 2016. Okay. Um, yeah, about a week before Donald Trump got elected. Um, Good the only stuff. reason this is relevant uh, is because I actually went to New York um, while he was elected. Like so, over the election? Yeah, yeah, right. So um, it was just, it's great if you're a writer, you know, it's like feeling very sick. America is sick. It's great. But, um, yeah, so, it's the perfect place to be when your energy yeah. suddenly changes. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I got like an acute infection, um, loads of uh, sort of gastrointestinal symptoms, fever. Um, you know, it was it was really really bad. I'd had kind of viral infections before, um, but it it seemed like particularly brutal, mm-hmm. um, and. I was supposed to be going on holiday, like, I remember whether it was literally the next day or maybe the day after that, but, you know, I, I slept on it and I was like, well, this, if I feel, still feel like this tomorrow, then I, I, I'm not going to go. This is insane. So, um, so I, duh, 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 um, so I waited out. I was supposed to go in with a friend. That was it as well. So there was sort of semi levels of pressure in order to sort of do it. Yeah, to just go on um, the trip anyway. Yeah, to not let them down and to, you know, just to hang out with a friend, basically. Um, so what happened in the end was I sort of waited up until the clock, almost, uh, on my flight. 
you know, when it, and it was just very apparent that I wasn't getting on it. So I uh, called the airline and managed to rebook it for two days later because I was like, um, so the reason for this will become clear uh, a sort of in, in a second, but basically, you know, now I look back at it now and I'm like, why did you even need to go so badly? It's just not even that, you know, like a holiday. Okay, yeah. it's a bit disappointing, but there's no real need when you're feeling that ill to like get on a plane for seven hours. But um, but you're probably so like, to... it'll pass, no big deal. I'll yeah, go back yeah, to my right, regular yeah. life two days later or whatever. Yeah, because that is exactly how we think of illnesses, really. It's like a just a little, you know, um, bar chart of, you know, you go up, you go down, and then you spring back to normal. Um, mm-hmm. But... So yeah, I, I did get a little better, but it was still very obviously like I am, you know, feeling ill, feeling quite fatigued. So I went to the GPs because I kind of just wanted them to reassure me a bit to say, am I being foolish by doing this? Or, like going you know, on the or, trip? Yeah, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and explained. And, and the doctor was just like, you know, just take it easy, but I think we should go have a good time. Yeah, okay, it'll pass. Fine. Yeah, yeah, right. So got on the plane, um, had a really weird sort of week in, in New York where I was slightly sort of delirious and out of it yeah. while the election was happening. Which and was a sort of, weird time anyway. Yeah, I would right, say. right. So I'm just here, you know, in this crazy sort of very, um, you know, built up and very uh, overstimulating city yeah um with all these weird symptoms i don't quite know what's going on and i'm trying to kind of keep up with my friend as well and make sure that he's not you know that i'm not bringing him down by sort of being a bit being rough and, and whatever so yeah it's a really weird week um but then you know i came home and it was like okay cool well that's done i did the holiday now i can now i can rest um and so I didn't go to work for a few days after, I think. I had a, I added on a little bit more leave to my to my week that I had off. Mm-hmm. Um, then I went back to work. I didn't feel um, 100%, but I, I was up to working. Um, but I definitely couldn't go to the gym. Okay. So I generally would always go to the gym, and that was a very obvious, this is kind of beyond me, you know. Yeah. So even though I was up to working, back in the office uh, full time, it was to do more than that was suddenly a bit of a challenge. Yeah, like you probably slept until you had to go and then you got home and you kind of crashed. Exactly, yeah. And, you know, just little sort of strange signs like the, you know, it became suddenly important to get a um, seat on a train into work and stuff, mm-hmm. you know, where previously it wouldn't or... Yeah, you, know, you didn't just, think about it. Yeah, yeah, you know, or, or sta- taking the stairs would make my, you know, legs burn in ways that I would only associate with like a day hiking for example you know it was yeah just those yeah. Li- little things that were off um but otherwise semi-functioning I suppose yeah and so at the beginning it sounds like it felt like almost like a flu and so some of the more aggressive yeah. symptoms maybe calmed down but your body just didn't go back to normal does that sound... yeah 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 so it's some of the sort of uh i suppose immune system based and you know, infectious symptoms whatever that is i'm probably butchering medical science there but, that, um, i think i might do that all the time yeah, so yeah. <laughs> um some of those symptoms like sore throat and um 
you know, feeling very, very hot all the time. You know, they dissipated, but then I was left with, I think at that point I was left with um, just feeling a bit uh, sort of dissociated, um, feeling very fatigued. My sleep mm. was suddenly terrible. Mm. Um, for my whole life up until that point, I've been a morning person. Mm-hmm. Like, absolutely no problem with just snapping out of bed at whatever hour, barely even really need an alarm. Um, and now it was, you know, suddenly mornings just felt difficult. I couldn't necessarily articulate why, um, but it definitely, I was definitely feeling bad and then sleeping poorly and, you know, all, all the kind of rest of it. Yeah, um, like this whole cluster of things that maybe don't sound that yeah. serious, but when yes. it's your actual life that you're trying to live, you realize right. how debilitating almost each of those things can be. It's yeah, like. uh, yeah, exactly. And I think the vagueness sort of um, doesn't help at all either because it's it's sort of like your general level of health just takes a blow, but you can't necessarily say, oh, you know, I have I've suddenly got really bad migraines or I've suddenly got like pain in my spine or you know anything kind of concrete to point to yeah say to a doctor you know this was uh wasn't the case before and now it is yeah um and that's like the big one of the most frustrating things about fatigue to me is just because being tired or describing something as fatigue it like i know that it has a meaning but it can feel so freaking meaningless just because it gets used for so many different experiences yeah it's a completely it's a terrible descriptor i don't know whether we need more words or uh, we, I don't know. Yeah, it's, and also you know the sort of the body only really has so many ways that um, it can express symptoms mm-hmm. to say that something's wrong. Mm-hmm. So you know if you say, oh, I have this type of pain, or I have this, you know, fatigue, or whatever it is, it could be caused by so many different things that, yeah. I mean, unless you're you're a doctor, you have no kind of way of starting to isolate maybe why that could be happening or what a knock-on effect could be yeah um yeah. But, but i struggled on for like a month uh, after the original infection and okay. then i went abroad i went abroad again okay um this time to ukraine which is um where my family's from um and that was for my birthday i went with my mum and dad and um it was fine it was good it was ukraine in the winter it was very cold um sure but like yeah it, it was good and then i got home um and then felt well enough to go to the gym somehow okay um kind of you know i i was sort of easing my way back into it but definitely you know but i definitely felt okay to go like your energy level was just a little bit higher than it had been yeah 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 and you know i think I don't know when I was, whether I was managing things better or, or I was actually a bit, felt everything a bit better or whatever it was. But, you know, I, I went, I did a bit, like, not really as much as I would do in a normal workout, but then came back to my flat, my apartment, and just, um, yeah, it, I just felt absolutely terrible. And then I had a sort of new cascade of kind of infectious-style symptoms. Okay, um, from so, one workout? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. basically... Um, I was like very vividly remembering this because um my uh my uh, flatmate my housemate at the time was 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 terrible to live with uh, if he gives this listen very very unlikely I'm totally fine with saying that that's that's totally cool um and uh I remember watching television while I was like sort of shaking like with with fever like hot and cold 
mm-hmm. um, while he like opened all the doors in the apartment and like smoked out the window. And I was just like, do you have no self-awareness at all? <laughs> I'm, I feel like I'm dying here. And you're just like chilling on the balcony. Like, what is going on? Yeah, just letting um, a nice breeze in that is yeah, definitely yeah. not helping <laughs> with my temperature problem. <laughs> it was terrible. Um, I mean, I, yeah, anyway, so then I, so, I mean, I don't, I don't know whether um, this is giving like, way too much information, but um, I remember going to the toilet and instead of the um, standard, like, kind of yellowy pee that I, I'd normally see, it was the colour of Coke. Yeah. I was like, wow, this is new. <laughs> it's not a good sign. Yeah, this is not good. Um, and so... So here um, in the NHS, um, there's like a non-emergency phone line you can call when it's out of hours time. Okay. So it's, um, you basically, you get advice from a doctor over the phone. Um, you know, if you're not in a life-threatening situation, which you'd call 999, which is equivalent of 911. Yeah. Um, so I called that and I was like, what's going on? This is weird. I yeah. feel really rough. I had this fever, and you know, that's um, and the guy was like, really unhelpful. He was like, "Kind of just sounds like you're dehydrated." I was like, "No, I've been drinking quite a lot of water." He's like, "What's your tongue feel like? Is it really dry?" Like, no, very, <laughs> like pretty wet. So was like, sorry. Um, yeah. And he was like, "Well, you should probably go to accident and emergency then," um, which. Luckily for me, I literally live on uh, the same road as one of London's biggest hospitals. So my mum came and got me and we went there and waited there for four hours, just chilling yeah. and waiting to, see, waiting to see someone. Um, they gave me an IV drip and ran a bunch of tests, stayed there overnight. Um, and it was just sort of said, you know, generic like viral infection symptoms uh which are all this time like upper respiratory stuff so tons of coughing like Mm -hmm. really really violent coughing uh fever um uh some loss of any sort of uh, temperature control um Mm -hmm. and just again just feeling really really weak and disorientated um and that was when I sort of classify as things properly tilting, um, it's difficult to sort of uh, look back and go, okay, well, if that had not happened, would anything have been different? Or whether all would have just led to the same uh, thing anyway? Yeah, that's um, a frustrating question. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I actually find it, I don't know, I, I think my views on that generally undulate quite a lot. You know, sometimes it doesn't bother me at all because... I, obviously can't change it right at all but sometimes i'm like but i could have past me could have yeah like baby uh, and i I didn't so yeah yeah, so um it is sometimes strange to look back and you know there's maybe three or four events you know maybe not having gone to new york maybe not having gone to ukraine my family maybe not having gone to the gym yeah all sorts of things maybe not even tried to work between those two events even you know yeah, um, like, is it possible that way more rest early on could have yeah. something? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So after that, which was now December of 2016, I had to uh, sign myself off sick from work uh, all the way through Christmas. Okay. Um, and I came back 
for a month. I worked again full time from January to February. Okay. And then I had to go off again. Had to tried working from home for like two weeks. Couldn't hack it. And what um, was it? What was your body up to then? Because had that initial kind of the aggressive infection or the second yeah. when you went to the hospital, had some of those symptoms calmed down again and you were back in the fatigue stage? Yeah, so I think it, this is when things started to sort of shift to a more, like, I suppose, more sort of long-term uh, style of symptom. Uh, I don't even know if that's you know, a good way of putting it. but Yeah, but like less know, acute. Yeah, yeah, you know, ve- less sort of, you know, potentially I'm very, very ill right now. Right. And more, I'm just ill all the time now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, um, you know, like stuff like, you know, uh, going to the toilet was like normal again. There was no coke in the, in the toilet and yeah. just, you know, I wasn't shivering with fever all the time. You know, that, that all went away and it was, um, and what stayed was uh, very, very bad sleep. Um, that was when cognitive stuff started to creep in quite a bit. Mm. You know, just noticing that I I just felt very, um, very slow. Yeah. And just very... Uh, stuff was taking me much longer to, to cope with. I couldn't, I had to sort of do things one at a time, having previously been able to multitask pretty easily or intuitively. Yeah. Um, which was a real hit because it was obviously when you're ill, you maybe want to, you know, you think, okay, don't do much, but maybe I can spend my time, uh, you know, just reading or whatever it is in bed and kind of rest my body. But yep. then that was when I realized that something was very, very different because I couldn't even do that. I think I bought like five books um, yeah. at the time, and I think four of them completely unread. Yeah. Because I tried to read one, and I was like, I can't do this. Like, the words are just not even going in at all. So that was when that shifted. So that was right at the start of 2017. Okay. Um, and that was when I started to shift my... Um, sort of understanding of it from okay this this is an acute thing that's gone on too long now to maybe this is sort of something else entirely um, yeah you know. um, and I actually what's quite funny is that um, so on my Twitter account I actually tweeted about this at the time being like yep still have a weird mystery illness <laughs> and it's it's really really odd looking back at it and you know it's it's told from the perspective of someone who's quite clearly annoyed that it's occurring, but is also very annoyed that they're ill for like a month. Yeah. You know? And, and it, it makes me laugh now because it's like so, so, you know, so long ago. Yeah. And it doesn't, um, you know, like a month in my time now, it's just, it's almost nothing. You know? Yeah. And I, it doesn't bother me at all. So it's, um, that was very strange and it, 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 it involved learning and, talking and a lot of shifts happening very very quickly on probably as it would for anyone probably every single aspect of my life yeah is is a lot to take in um yeah and were you going to the doctor at this point like had you been back to your gp or whoever was anyone overseeing care yeah so basically that was sort of when it started so i actually so what happened was is that um (laughs) so i about six months before I got ill, I got out of a um, long-term relationship. 
um, and that was really, really tough. Um, I was still living in a flat that I owned with my former partner. And this in early 2017 was basically when I moved home because um, I was like, this is just a lot to deal with. I need to, you know, be in my parents and, you know, they were like, gladly really, really cool and really supportive of, of everything. So I shifted my, changed my GP practice to theirs. Um, okay. And it sort of went from basically the default thing at my GP's practice at the time was, uh, we can't really help you, um, changed to not really sure whether we can help you, but at least we'll try and get you to some people who can kind of thing. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a positive step moving home in that way. Yeah. Like finding um, someone who acknowledges that something is wrong, even if they yeah. don't know what to do about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mean, and that was when I was diagnosed by my GP who I still have um, with chronic fatigue syndrome at that time, uh, mm -hmm. which would have been really what, what I'd like to find out is, is being really, really quick and early for a lot of people with a similar illness. Um, yeah. I think it was maybe four, four or five months post that initial uh, viral infection. Mm -hmm. And six. Um, excuse me. And had they, do you know what kind of stuff they were ruling out at the time? Like, that kind yes. of onset, it makes sense that that would kind of be the diagnosis you'd get relatively quickly, yeah. but but still, some doctors are so hesitant to diagnose CFS yeah, around yeah. me. So, I mean, um, so at the time, obviously, I had, had a few hospital visits because of, you know, going to emergency for, for that and, and other things. Um, so I think variously, they ran... You know, thyroid tests, um, they ruled out lupus. They, what else did they rule out? I mean, just sort of very standard, like uh, kidney and liver function tests, um, yeah. which on the kidney side were very irregular when I initially went in, but like just gradually cleared up over time. Yeah, which um, would make sense if you have very dark urine, like pretty right. directly. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so that was, I mean, I suppose that was a very initial and obviously an ongoing frustration that a lot of people with chronic illness face is that for me it was kind of weird because you know I I was tested at the time and, and stuff was pretty extensive you know and it was okay yes this is wrong with you yeah and it was after that and, and then the, and the sort of slightly weird um, paradox of you going to the see the consultant and then being like really happy with how your renal results were and you know and me being like i literally can't work yeah like, like, like I mean, i'm really glad that like my kidneys are filtering stuff correctly again but i'm also not able to work like i've, I've literally i'm you know i'm 26 and i've had to stop working to take time off again uh i know that you're a nephrologist you're over the moon but yeah, I also have like the rest of my body attached to me, and it's very much not well. Yeah, this um, improvement in kidney function has not translated to an improvement right. in quality of life. So yeah, yeah, no, I mean, and you know, to sort of not sort of chase my tail and sort of jump around uh, chronologically, but obviously that's the thing that a lot of people with chronic illness face, where they're looking, they fake kind of looking at the opposite of what a lot of people look forward to in terms of illness which is being able to find something measurable and wrong 
Yeah. Because they feel so bad and being frustrated that is in the case, as opposed to, you know, being acutely ill and then being told, you know, here's something that's wrong, this is broken in you, and that being a bad thing. Right. Once it becomes a bit more long term, you kind of want that, in a way, you want that to sort of be there because, in theory, that means you can get some sort of treatment or that you're at least believed or whatever it is. So. Yeah, validation at minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Um, totally. So that was odd. Um, so that was, like, yeah, when, um, when I started to sort of pursue medical care, I guess, um, and started to go through the marathon list of specialties and uh, various medical disciplines to try and at that point it was fix everything magically right sure um, but you know which which later on obviously became provide a better quality of life or at least be open to trying things uh in order to do so yeah um, so yeah i think it's you know when i was thinking about this a bit earlier today about how it's such a different um path of diagnosis and treatment to maybe a well-recognized illness even if that well-recognized illness is very very serious um you know obviously i can't speak to the experience um of anyone with an illness i don't have but um you know for example um in the uk like our acute care is really really good and obviously um free for Mm. everyone um, which is fantastic so and there are also several sort of chronic illnesses that we also do really well at. And but they're, you know, well documented. There's, you know, first, second and third line treatments for all of them. They're all approved. They've all been, um, you know, been through trials and stuff like that. You know, you could even, if you're lucky, be considered for or uh, to be part of an experimental trial for them. You know, it's like a completely different world yeah. to being in a sort of completely unknown box of, is this collection of symptoms that are really, really tough, but we don't really know what to do with that at the yeah. moment. So, yeah, I think that's when I start to get my head around all of that. Yeah. Just well, appreciate like, it. Yeah. And like you said, like so many different kind of areas of your life will change at once when you start to think of it as something chronic instead of something acute. Like it's not just stopping yeah. working, although stopping working is a huge change in anybody's life. Like yeah. it's everything. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it's also trying to actually actively manage your health. That's like almost feels separate from adapting to what does it mean to just be a person whose life is impacted in this way. Right, exactly. Yeah, no, there's just all these things you just don't even realize in some way require effort to keep going. And mm-hmm. um, you know, because they all kind of chug along. You know, possibly if you have a healthy body, uh, you know, a healthy and um, healthy mental health or whatever. Yeah. Um, those things seem to take care of themselves, but actually it's not really like that at all. And, and once um, a few things think, uh, start to fall uh, with your own health, you realize that very, very quickly things can snowball a little bit on those other fronts and possibly start to shift or you know, or crumble or whatever that is. Um, I mean, one of the hardest things I found was not being able to articulate things properly to, um, people I knew yeah um yeah it just really annoyed me I mean I so I previous to this worked in journalism like my whole career so kind of all about like communication and expressing stories and stuff like that and 
it really frustrated me how it's kind of like, well, if I were to give you a story of this, is that I don't really know how it happened. I don't really know how it's going to change now. And also, I don't really know how it's going to end. So it's unbelievably unsatisfying, both for me telling you this and for you hearing it, you know. Yeah. It's, kind of, it's not like it's, okay, well, it's bad now, but I have this surgery coming up, and either that will do nothing, um, hopefully not make me worse, or it will improve a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a very cut and dry, you know, before and after this sort of medical event, then things would be different in some way. It was, it's not that at all. So, no. Um, yeah. I found that very, very irritating, basically. Yeah. I, um, I used to run a storytelling event uh, in Toronto where I lived at the time. And because I was one of the producers, I had to perform like almost monthly just to fill a slot. And so I can see this very clear time when when I switch from writing about like old painful stuff. So just like stuff that I had been processing, that I was well past, that it was really easy to kind of put into a neat narrative to when basically my body started to fall apart. And sure. I st- and I start writing about this stuff and I'm so in the middle of it. And I was going back over it a lot, like a month ago, maybe. And it's so weird to look at now because I didn't have a frame for it at all. I was trying to like parse out these moments and explain them to people, but I didn't have the language and I didn't know where I was going. And it, it is, it's like, it's incredibly un- unsatisfying, especially when so much of your like mental energy has previously been about telling a story and and when you're like a verbal person and cognitive function starts to interfere with that it interferes with editing in a really hard way like a lot plays into that and it's hard it's just hard to explain this experience because we don't even have good cultural touchstones i don't think for something like experiencing i'll say chronic fatigue in the broadest sense like as a symptom rather than as a diagnosis so you know we don't how do you explain that to people when you're used to being able to really clearly articulate a feeling or an idea? Yeah, like... no, I, I completely agree with you and empathize really because it's, um, yeah, I was thinking about this a bit earlier. Um, I had this, um, I can't remember why, but I was having a, a you know, good natured argument with someone about um, illness and stories and stuff. And I can't remember what it, oh, okay, no, so it was actually about something else. It was about um, stories of, like failure it just in general and and how um uh you know there's a trend at the moment of people using uh sort of failure as a as a teaching moment to you know okay i failed at this but it taught me this and that meant that when i tried this other thing it was really good that i failed first and all yeah. this sort of thing yes um, uh there's a trend of like humble brag failure stories which might yeah, be what you're talking yeah, about yeah. but so i've this, definitely so seen it <laughs> Yeah, so this is my point, is that basically I would like to, I mean, not to say it so bluntly, but I would also like to hear from people who were kind of broken a bit by failure, you know, and who didn't have a sort of epiphany or ability to just use it, you know, brilliantly and, you know, you know spur them on to the next thing. You know, my friend was like, well, yeah, but, you know, that would be kind of depressing to read. I was like, yeah, it actually kind of would be, but. I think we need that broad spread of stories in order to make a good judgment about what these things actually mean. And sort of relating it to illness, really, like it's absolutely fine. Well, maybe not absolutely fine, but it's probably good to have stories where um, people are able to do incredible things who have disabilities 
as long as they are not the only stories told because it doesn't you know that that's an undeniable fact that you know some people are able to function at a level with chronic illness or disability that allows them to do things that are sort of stunning on, on, on any level. Um, equally, there are plenty of people who, through no fault of their own, through no amount of positive thinking or inspiration or whatever it is, would not be able to, would ever be able to do that. And so I think it's fine to tell the sort of inspiring stories as well as, as long as we do the other two. Yeah. And so that was really why I started, started thinking and realized there was, it's kind of like being recruited into into a secret society all of a sudden where you just suddenly see like this existence of all these people and who are just not what you come to expect from often very sort of young, uh, I hate to use the word vibrant, but I'm going to use it. So um, people who um, you'd assume are in good health. You know that the, Ill, the illness is just something for the for the elderly, basically, or right. um, very unfortunate. You know, if you're in an accident or something. Yeah, it is also something that can not only uh, get to you very very early in life, but also um, leave you with sort of more questions than answers. And that it's not as simple as rocking up to like a made for TV doctor who is very knowledgeable, empathetic, problem-solving, and just a brilliant mind uh, to set you at ease and to sort you out uh, with treatment. So I think, yeah, yeah it was basically, it can be summed up as it was a lot. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, and I think at the time, I was very sort of obsessed with working it all out very quickly in a way. Yeah, I mean, and, understandably. Yeah. I think that's a right. part, yeah. also a part of what you just said about like, we hear these stories about people who get sick or who become disabled and then they o- overcome it, which I just put in air quotes for yeah, people yeah. who are listening, because that's the narrative. Um, and one of many harms of the kind of these other stories not getting out there is that I think for most people, when they first get sick, they think, that's cool. I just have to keep trying until I find yeah, my way yeah, out yeah. of this. And some yeah. people do. I'm not saying that they don't. And I don't want to like punish people who get better or something but i think it creates really damaging expectations for kind of the rest of us that it's somehow our fault if we can't figure that out yeah it's it's really really tough and i think it's kind of odd because i think then i got very very angry if anyone suggested anything like that to me yeah i think now i'm much better at judging intent and it's kind of much more important to me i suppose even if someone's like what I was saying is not particularly helpful. Like their intent matters much more to me, you know, because I think it's just so difficult to get that balance right. You know, I've even found myself, you know, questioning advice or things that I've said to other people. Oh, you know, yeah. where I've gone, should I have recommended that? Should I have said that in that way? You know, should I just let someone be, you know? So it is so tough to to want to help someone, try to say the right thing, and you know you know you just don't know what people will, will respond to basically you know for every there, there was a point where i was only interested in reading about stories from people who got better yeah it's like i didn't i didn't want to hear anything else you know and then and then i went through a period of finding it really annoying about 
ever seeing anything like that. You know, yeah. so it's had someone caught me or talked to me at either of those points, then my response to the same thing would have been completely different. Yeah, you know, which it was, a, which isn't their fault at all. So I think that's why it's such a tricky beast to to manage because your own expectation changes as well. Yeah, you yeah, know, was, and your goals. Like, yeah, are you at a stage where you're trying to overcome something, or you're looking for the next like path to try? Because I, yeah. when yeah, I look exactly. at my Goodreads account, for example, is a really great map of what my life has been like. Of like when I was still relatively healthy, but knew something was wrong, and I read a million wellness books compared yeah. to like when I was really yeah. sick and I read like a hundred romance novels because that was all yeah. I had the capacity for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but but compared to when you're like looking for more acceptance, and then there actually aren't that many stories. This is one of my big gripes about the whole thing: is that most chronic illness memoirs are about are not even are about getting better, but are framed as if the person got better, which yeah. so, so sometimes yeah, yeah. acceptance is written as acceptance is written as if it were a remission and people yeah. it's I don't even have better words. I need to get better words for this, but it's like something that I've noticed in some of the ones that are also self-help books. So from people with yeah. autoimmune diseases or whatever, and they describe it as if they're in remission and then they casually mention that they still have symptomatic days. And you're like, why yeah, did yeah, this yeah, isn't? Yeah. I would rather just read your memoir about how your mindset right. changed yeah, than yeah, have yeah. you give me advice that didn't put you into remission in the first place. Like, no, exactly. Pull it yeah, together, it, publishers. It definitely is some sort of like, yeah, need to have a, a very neat conclusion, you know, and whether that's an, a remission, a full recovery, or an acceptance that maybe masks um, ongoing symptoms is very sort of A to B um, rather than just a snapshot of. A period in someone's life which doesn't have to be to, doesn't have to end with that you know could be ending with everything still being the same could end with things being worse yeah. you know it's still, it's still a story that's valid um yeah so i think yeah more representation needed and and, and uh, you know because i think i used to i gave well i don't know whether i was so upfront about it but i, I think i gave a lot of my friends a pretty hard time near the beginning because I was sort of just sort of so raging at being ill that I you know if looking back on it if someone wasn't kind of perfect in terms of like how they were reaching out to me or whatever you know it would just make me very angry that I was even in that position in a way um and um you know I look back at it now and it's like well, you know not that it excuses them, but, you know, they're human as well. And also they have absolutely zero guides in popular culture to draw on to help inform their, how they should react, you know, like, yeah, where, where are, you know, the, the, um, you know, award-winning like Netflix shows of young people with chronic illness who remain a part of their friends' lives, you know, yeah. someone really smart listening to this probably is going to be like, here is the, here is the show. Why haven't you watched it? Um, but and I've to, only, to my knowledge, it doesn't exist. Yeah, so. I also have that question, and now I have to go back. As someone in an interview last week mentioned a show that I forget the name of, where she was like, they do actually have good representation in this one way. Like, there's a character who sometimes uses a cane and sometimes doesn't, and it's not a major plot right. point. So I need to figure out what show that was because it's the yeah. I have I have the exact same gripe of like you don't see chronic illness the best representation that i can still think of around chronic illness is that one of the characters in the babysitter's club has diabetes 
And like, and so in the movie, there's like a bit of a crisis because she's trying to fit in. So she doesn't want to, I don't know, like bring a muffin with her and then she (laughs) faints. And like that, that is the closest that I have seen to my own experience. And I don't have diabetes, but like I have to plan a lot before I go do things. Also, she was like a preteen. Like it's not my life at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it doesn't, we just don't see it. So yeah, of course, how do people know how to react and when you're sick and if you're especially if you're fatigued and cognitively fatigued or impaired and you're trying to like create guidelines for your friends for how to support you when you don't you don't have any more information than they have you're just also tired and not able to think clearly like right exactly yeah it's not really a recipe for success yeah it's not as if by becoming ill you suddenly know the entire manual for how that works you know obviously you learn as you go along and you know you're the expert on your own body but Mm -hmm. it's not as if it's like hey you know random friend uh you know the advice i'm giving is totally peer-reviewed and definitely going to work every single time it's not like that at all you know so yeah or like i'll even agree with it like you said like if someone made the same suggestion to you however many months apart you would have you may have responded really differently like right exactly yeah i don't know yeah that's hard (laughs) very very difficult and I think that's that must be difficult at whatever age things happen um I think we have a tendency just as humans to always think that the time that a thing happens to us is like that that a bad thing happens to us is always possibly the worst time Mm -hmm. um realistically there would just be different issues if it had happened to me at a later period in my life you know yeah I'd been married maybe I'd been you know in 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 you know maybe I was being elderly and wanted to hang out with my grandkids you know like there's always a thing yeah that these things would uh, cause cause issues and problems with and, yeah. and hurdles to sort of navigate so yeah I think the fact that yeah that we don't get that sort of good um, media representation that's understanding and nuanced uh, is a problem sort of for everyone really uh, yeah yeah because yeah. I think like I think about it when it's like okay if it happens in your teens you none of your peers will understand when it happens in right. your 20s you're probably like you maybe have moved out of the house and often yeah. will have to move back and that has its own problems and then it's like when you get older then the people around you have their own families so your support network will have changed a lot like yeah right. there's so many shifting social dynamics that impact what it will feel like to become sick in this way yeah yeah i mean often i sort of i you know when i've um trying to think of a sort of quotidian uh example of like when um you know when i've sort of come up against a bit of uh cognitive dissonance with uh something i've said uh you know like for example so there was a period i say there was a period last year it was all last year (laughs) <laughs> um, when um, when uh, my digestive system was super in, like in super bad shape, um, so it's still not great now, but it's definitely better. Um, and the list of foods that I sort of couldn't eat with having really really terrible symptoms um, was was huge, like truly mind boggling and huge. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, you know, come up and be like, okay, well. You know, if a friend wanted to come over and, you know, maybe they'd bring some pizza or something. I was like, well, literally all aspects of pizza I can't eat. Like, I'm not even joking. Yeah. The dough, the, t- the tomato, the cheese, the herbs. Like, I'm sorry, man. Like, I just 
I just can't. Yeah, it's um, all out. And I haven't been able to for, for a while. And you sort of hear yourself saying it, and you're like, well, I can hardly believe that this is the case, you know, and yet I, in a very logical way, have observed myself, you know, eating the thing and feeling violently sick after eating the thing. Yeah. And even even I'm struggling to get my head around it because it takes such a normal, innocuous and everyday thing and just has a really huge uh, sort of out of proportion response to it that you sort of put yourself in your friend's shoes and you're like, what? You can't eat pizza. I'm not just eating pizza, like just everything that makes up a pizza separately. Yeah. What, you know, what is going on? You know, yeah. like, it's not like a vegan pizza would be fine or a gluten-free yeah, pizza yeah, would be fine. Yeah, you know, yeah. Pesto you know, instead of sauce. Sort of, right. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's, so, yeah, even those sort of like slight, you know, things that you're in a way conditioned to think of like those fussy alternatives, you know, gluten-free pizza or whatever, you know, even that's out. Yeah. It's just, you know, not, not even as simple as that. So I think there's lots of little ways that that can sometimes um, create difficulties uh, socially and possibly uh, negatively lead to sort of barriers being put up because the ill person feels maybe guilty or bad that they're sort of putting a stop on something that could be considered fun or that is, uh, I don't know, like a shared experience. Yeah. And the other person either doesn't understand what that can be like uh, or is sort of confused as to how things can turn on a dime so quickly. Yeah, that's you know, a big one, um, I think, with this think, too. That these, like, the yeah, goals I mean, can move very quickly around what right, works know, like, and what doesn't. What, like, what is my problem now may not be what it is in a month and it isn't what it was a month ago either. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I think that can mess with how people can um, sort of perceive what's going on, going yeah. on with you, really, you know, because it's, um, I mean, just like a really um, recent example, I've, at the moment, my energy has been, fingers crossed, like, relatively good for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a bunch of other stuff which has been really, really difficult, but I can like move and walk for me res- reasonably well at the moment. Yeah. So it's odd to be like, to suddenly ask people, hey, yeah, I think I'm like good. If you want to come around and visit, I'm like well enough to like hang out and chat versus like, um, you know, a month or two ago, where it'd be like, I'm really not down for that, but like talking on the phone, I'd really love to do that. You know, yeah. it's the way that that changes so quickly and with things that aren't seemingly connected or remotely uh, straightforward um, must just be so difficult to someone observing from the outside. Um, yeah. You know, I, I even have it with my mum, you know, talking of food. You know, she, she sometimes like, do you want me to get you, you know, these things from the supermarket? I was like, oh no, that for some reason is like not good for me anymore. You know, and she's bought like 10 because normally I'm like eating that particular thing like once a week. Yeah. And it's just like, well, I'm, I'm, I'm super sorry that something's changed. Uh, I don't know what it is, but <laughs> yeah. apparently this is not so good anymore. So. And I can't yeah. explain it at all because that right. might make it seem more valid to me and exactly. other people, but that yeah. isn't available. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's uh, a challenge, I think. Yeah, I, that's what I think, too, is, like, the way that things can change. Th- those two features of it. But, like, there's no... It's not clear why these things are changing. And, like, yep. science doesn't have an explanation. So I can't just, like, go out and do some research and then translate it. And yeah, then yeah, exactly. tell people. 
like there's a couple things with like so i have pots right so tachycardia when i stand up and it's like one thing even though pots isn't well explained the the like salt helps so sometimes and also if you ever do like try a ketogenic diet you need extra electrolytes so i've had moments where i'm like oh i start to feel really shitty and then i just need to hydrate and i need a bunch of salt and that by itself is like it turns out very easy to explain to people But then other things where it's like, oh, I'm experimenting with this part of my diet to see if it helps or I'm finding that this thing causes this problem. Like, it's all just moving pieces and it might not be true next week. Like, I don't have a way to translate this information for you because it's just all an experiment all the time. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, yeah, you're right to call it an experiment because it's, um, you know, often like I have this thing where I am. you know, if something is, if like I have a new symptom or if, you know, I feel worse or whatever, you know, it's like a process of elimination often. You're kind of like, well, did I sleep okay last night? Yes. Okay. Progress to the next like space. Uh, you know, what did I eat yesterday? Well, everything I do normally. Okay. What about this? Any new medication changes or even really irritating stuff like medication brand changes. So, right. So, like there was one time when literally just the the capsule on the medication that I tolerate absolutely fine changed and it made me feel really really bizarre and I switched it back to the previous brand and it was fine yeah and there was no real reason but that was the case you know and so you're always looking at all these variables and trying to make sure that you've you can examine every single one of them and sometimes on top of that sometimes you go through all those, you tick all the boxes, and there's still no real answer. There's no real reason why you feel a certain way. And you have to be comfortable sort of be comfortable and accept that. Yeah. At that point. Um so I I think that's yeah, that's a really tricky place to get to. Um to not only have the self insight to almost always be aware of things that could affect you environmentally, uh from terms of exertion and diet as well. Uh, but also be comfortable in the space between where sometimes things can't be explained and it just happens and that's very unfortunate you know so yeah 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 which we're also like programmed to think doesn't happen like right the way that we learn about health and bodies is that everything has a cause and effect yeah 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 and it's I and i think we on the flip side on like a positive side you know like if you look at work culture and um, yeah, just work culture, it's like, well, you know, you kind of reap what you sow. If you work really, really hard, then like good things will happen, you know, and that's the recipe for success, you know, and actually that's not the case at all. You know, like success often requires, um, you know, a lot of lucky breaks and fortunate circumstances and support and privilege and, you know, a bunch of other variables I'm probably not mentioning, but right. we sort of are drawn towards very simple, like, like meritocracy yeah you can just draw the line from okay well if you do this then you'll get to here um and so yeah equally if you're doing it in a negative sense you like to think that that happens too but often it doesn't so Yeah, yeah yeah and i think like certainly with bodies it's possible that one day in the future like medicine and science will know so much more that it won't feel like a mystery but right now with most chronic illness like causes are so poorly understood it feels like we might as well be talking about humors like oh yeah absolutely just yeah yeah. it's it's interesting 
yeah i mean it is yeah it's like if you look at <laughs> it is just sort of uh, i mean one of the best experiences with a doctor that i've actually had who i think he's the longest the doctor i've seen the longest apart from my gp through my duration of illness mm-hmm. um just because at one point he was like i'll be really honest with you like uh we have no real idea why this happens like we don't we just don't know enough about medicine you know and so he he deals with people with chronic illnesses but he's a he's a cardiologist so his particular interest is in pots mm-hmm. but so but, but he's kind of experienced with seeing a lot of people who overlap yeah and i would think he, so pots is so commonly yeah. comorbid it's like everyone's right. comorbidity yeah yeah um you know and i'm able to suggest symptomatic treatment for that and also refer on to other colleagues that he has in other disciplines um you know it was a really it basically i never feel like i have to pitch him when i'm having a meeting like which yeah. often is what i feel like with um with some doctors you, yeah. know, you go in and it's like so thanks for coming to my presentation about me and my health yeah uh, here's slide one uh is where everything starts yeah you know and, and it, like you're kind of pitching for investment in a way you know and it's like yeah like i'm trying to convince the person that i'm worth investing in and that they should definitely part with their cash to take me on as a project kind of thing yeah yeah like um, that you're worth helping right yeah um versus him where it's like oh cool i'm gonna go chat to that guy who's like knowledgeable yeah. I mean, that's literally, yeah, I'd I only prepped for, apart from just kind of noting to myself what I'd like to update him on and possibly what I'd like to get some help with, I don't even really need prep for appointments with him because it just it feels so equal. It doesn't really feel like there's a much of a power imbalance. Balance, yeah. And it just seems casual and approachable. And it's... That's magic. It's like, yeah, right. Even Even though... Like, even though the you know the appointment still ends and you're still like, well, I feel as sick as I did at the start of the appointment, and if I do feel better based on anything that we spoke about, it's going to be a while, you know, involve tests or trial and treatment or whatever. And the fact that we had this conversation in this way just feels so much more uh, meaningful and like you're 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 heard and listened to, yeah, rather than kind of just shoved out the door. Um, yeah so yeah really really good to have that shining beacon of uh of brilliance um, yeah and it yeah. it like changes the i think the experience with other doctors too is you're like oh i don't have to put up with that bullshit from other doctors like right. this yeah, isn't yeah, actually yeah. what doctors have to be like yeah <laughs> and knowing that yeah. is great i mean it's it is it is it is a bit mind-blowing i mean i yeah it is i've never felt more on the spot than some being in the doctor's like first appointment sometimes you know uh, and yeah you know questions are being fired at you and you don't feel like you've like i think there's i can probably count on one hand the amount of times i'm like i managed to tell my whole story or i managed to tell enough that i feel satisfied with that they get what a bit, at least a bit what as to what's going on yeah you know, and, so, and so even so what's important to me like some doctors also yeah. will just latch on to one thing and you're and right then exactly they don't hear anything else and you're like yeah yeah yeah. i mean it's you know it's like yeah it, it's very very frustrating you know mm-hmm. and i think it's particularly 
think the things I've thought about is, you know, I've come from a background where I'm like, you know, really supported by my parents who will like take me to doctor's appointments and who will, if they, if I want them to, will come to the appointment with me and help me remember things if I, you know, I'm, I'm struggling and all that sort of thing. And, you know, went to university and worked a inverted commas professional job and involved language and, and words and stuff. And so if I'm struggling with this sort of thing, like that, that should not be a, a thing, you know? You yeah. know, there are so many people who weren't lucky enough to have various aspects of that. You know, there's so there's so many from you know, all the way from childhood. Yeah. And so if I'm struggling with it then I would assume that many people are struggling even more so. Yeah. So I mean that is just a really chilling thought, you know, that I had all these sort of breaks and, and privilege that I would see and it's still difficult for me. So uh, and I would say that the majority of people don't have that. So this 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 is just wrong. Like this shouldn't shouldn't be like this at all. Yeah. Um so yeah, it doesn't make you kind of question the entire structure of, of medicine and the medical industry as a whole and um and also going back to outside perceptions that does fly in the face of our sort of societal perception of like you know doctors as these heroes which obviously like you know many of them are and obviously it's an incredible job and people get fixed every day and people have their lives changed for the better yeah uh, but we also have huge huge uh, ground and improvements to cover um to, to better serve people really so yeah, yeah it's it's a uh, it's overwhelming to sort of see that play out through your own life basically yeah. you know you can read like a profile of the new yorker about it and be like oh that's interesting yeah when you're in like in the appointment room and you're sort of seeing it happen in front of yourself you're like wow that was very bizarre this is what that feels like yeah 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 Yeah. and i think with this is the thing that's so interesting to me with chronic illness specifically is like i know and believe and all of that stuff that like marginalization which is kind of what you're talking about like social location impacts the care that people get and on a one-to-one basis, this still varies widely, right? Like somebody who might be multiply marginalized could still have a great doctor. And so they could yeah. they could get diagnosed, say, much quicker than you did or more much quicker than someone in a different position. Like yeah. there's still a huge amount of variability, even though like statistics support that these biases exist. But in chronic illness, like as I mean, so many people that I've talked to, this comes up all the time is like, we can recognize all the privileges that we have, which is like, I'm educated. I think that I'm good. I'm articulate. I'm able to uh, articulate a loaded word. I want to just acknowledge, (laughs) but I'm able to articulate myself clearly. It's not loaded in that context. Able to articulate my experience clearly. I'm educated. I can show up. I'm white. Like for me, both my parents have PhDs. So I'm very comfortable talking to a doctor. I don't feel like a a class disparity there, for example. And even in that context, that doesn't, it might help. I'm sure that it makes a difference, but it doesn't make the difference. And so we like with chronic illness, I think for so many different reasons and like uh, other white men who I've talked to who are like, I can recognize that I have literally all of the privilege in this situation. And it did not help me when I showed up with like an inexplicable symptoms of a chronic illness. I was still dismissed by doctors. Doctors didn't, weren't really more likely to believe me. Like, not to say yeah. that those same, like, again, social location and biases don't impact the way that everybody is treated or the way that care happens, but chronic illness is still, like, 
people are still more likely not to be believed regardless. Yeah. I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that yeah. is a like it's like <laughs> yeah, I mean, fuck. It's kind of like if that's your your starting point. It's, yeah. yeah, it's it's very very bleak to sort of yeah, to see that happen. Um, you know, cuz just not used to having zero control over something like that. Yeah. You know, just absolutely no ability to yeah to exert any kind of control over that whether it's your own symptoms or also expressing those symptoms to someone else who is then supposed to pass them and kind of feedback information to you that might help you you know resolve them more or at least treat them or alleviate them so yeah yeah terrifying yeah yes it is terrifying um one thing that i'm realizing that we haven't got to before we we uh wrap up is actually just so since things more or less stabilized for you i would love to hear about um what have you found that has helped in your kind of day-to-day life or what have you and what have you found that has been like a useless waste of time energy or money so hmm, it's actually a difficult question because uh, i i suppose so basically every single either internet approved or doctor approved treatment I've tried has not helped me on any level. Sure. Like, like, like literally all of them. Yeah. Um, anything from antiviral tablets to CBD oil to supplements to various other things. Um, yeah, nothing's really made a dent in things properly improving to any meaningful degree or anything that's um you know cleans up one thing but at the expense of something else or creates a new problem yeah um, like no yeah. patterns have presented in different right, protocols right. yeah yeah um i mean i suppose i suppose generally something that has helped is I don't know, this is going to sound very very uh unhelpful and vague but (laughs) i I suppose trying to get to grips with the level of health that you're at at one time so trying to let go a bit of i could do this last week and now i can't and why is that Mm -hmm. you're allowed to get frustrated about that i obviously still do all the time but i realized it was at a point where it would would actually harm me quite a bit you know because i'd start going well i could do it so i'm just gonna do it and now i feel more ill (laughs) because clearly my my body isn't in that place you know so so at the moment you know i mentioned earlier about being able to be a bit more physically active you know my cognitive symptoms are quite bad at the moment um compared to my physical once so this mm-hmm. time last year i was able to paint for three uh, a few hours a day every day pretty much mm-hmm. uh, but also i wasn't able to leave the house at all yeah and so now i've been able to leave the house very briefly for social like social events but i'm been up to painting since christmas pretty much it's yeah. just like i'm not being able to have that at all so i, I guess it's like that was very very irritating in the moment but now it's sort of more i view it as you know hopefully i'll be able to circle back to that at some point yeah it doesn't mean it's going to be the case forever but right now i have to accept that this is not a thing that i can do right and so just park it there for a second and just focus on the fact that leaving the house is pretty amazing after you know 
um, several years, almost more or less completely housebound. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's good. And I, I suppose also, um, again, very unhelpful. Um, having having a really good GP. So yeah, um, you know, she's not able to suggest any uh, life changing treatment for me because such a treatment doesn't exist. Um, but she is always able to always really good at listening, always really sympathetic, always happy to refer for any tests um, or uh, to any specialists based on like a cluster of symptoms I find troubling that are either new or have progressed in any way. Yeah. And it just makes such a difference in knowing that, you know, that down the road, I mean, the surgery is like five minutes drive from us um there's someone who at least that's your starting point yeah um and i didn't really realize sort of how important that was really up up, up until i had a few quite bad experiences with some consultants yeah that at least i was second back to someone who you know when i said yeah that really wasn't great and i didn't feel listened to and it was not good that they would be on my side and say well that's that's you know that's not good let's try and like find a way around that or yeah you know try and get someone else instead you know whatever it is so yeah um so that's been really good um and yeah the terrible advice basically i'm giving just <laughs> no like, i don't think so at all there's been like no yeah i mean it's you know i'm 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 kind of looking literally at the mountain of uh partially used supplements i'm sure every chronic person yeah yeah has me to do like a photography project one day but um oh, yeah. you know just like dozens of uh dozens of pounds uh, hundreds of pounds probably spelt, Ooh, yeah. spent on all manner of uh little capsules uh vitamins and uh whatever else uh, some that i didn't even know existed before i got out oh yeah thing. Many. <laughs> um, you know just like sitting there so you know yeah yeah i've tried most things i haven't really tried anything truly off the wall i don't think yeah uh, i suppose there's i suppose most people have like a yardstick for what that actually is but i sure. think compared to most people i haven't really had that um i did go to an to a um uh, osteopath appointment once when the, the osteopath was convinced that um I might have been a victim of a Russian chemical attack, but I didn't. Ooh. That wasn't my fault. So I was like, "Yeah, I don't really know how we got here, but I'm, um, I'm just probably gonna leave and, and probably not like come back." But um, like, I don't need to pursue this. Thank you. Yeah, I, th- I think we're done. <laughs> it was, um, but in terms of you know actual slightly um, odd treatments, I don't really think I've had too many. I do have a friend who's basically just, if you can think it. Uh, you know she, she's done it and and sort of my list of things uh, pales in comparison to that yeah um but yeah I, I on that point i think one thing that um possibly healthy people might not understand is um is that trying something is not as a good phrase for this uh, but it eludes me at the moment which is basically it's not just it's not just it does nothing or it could be positive you know trying anything is often this could be bad for me Right, it's not neutral. Right, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, neutral. Yeah, what a simple word. Just sitting there. There you go. That was the word. That's um, how brains so, work. I know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 
there, I mean, there was a period of time, probably like a year, 18 months, um, with some really, really bad patches, uh, you know, in that um, when I was like pretty much completely bed bound. I don't know why, you know, and a lot of symptoms kicked up and, and, and you know, obviously your mind kind of goes to, well, I need to try something to spur me out of, you know, this. And I think I, I can't remember what it was, but, you know, something just didn't help me at all and then sent me back some more. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's never as simple as let's try the new thing. It's always, well, I need to be really sure about this. I need to be bizarrely well enough to try something. Yeah. It sounds so odd, you know, as it's as a yeah. thing to say. But like, so, other yeah. than not neutral, because the other way that I would phrase that is just like, it's not free. So right. not, not yeah, just yeah. like many supplements are expensive financially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but like a lot of the other stuff. So dietary interventions, for example, are both expensive and energy intensive. Yep. So it's yeah, like, yeah. okay, cool. I'd love to try, like, I'd love to do a whole 30 or, and I do yeah. like, I eat an approximately paleo diet, but it's, I'm not dogmatic about it at all because I can't yep. be because yeah, like yeah, exactly. that would tear me apart just from an energy <laughs> perspective and i would yeah. end up skipping way more meals than i already do yeah or like it's time energy yeah time intensive energy intensive or money intensive and it's like yeah. all three of those if you are not working or you have a limited income and you have extremely limited energy like those are all very expensive yeah absolutely and um, you know i think often when you look at supplements you're kind of like well at least i do probably slightly foolishly you know i look at it i'm like okay so that's a month's work so i could try this and then what i sort of don't anticipate is if i'm like well if that did help i'm just paying for this every month now so while it was fine you know for the month you know it'd just be like well this is my life i just pay for this now all the time you know so and you know you know i have friends who you know those things mount up five six seven more uh, different things per month uh yeah. it, it soon really like spirals to something quite big so yeah in a weird way i don't have the ongoing expense because nothing's worked uh but in a frustrating way obviously you'd rather that something helped yeah. um, and maybe you have to try and try and save up for it so yeah i yeah. also think for me sometimes when i'm like get to a very frustrated moment and I'm like, I need to try a new regimen just to see if it will Mm. help. You know, like I'll find what people are talking about right now and I'll do it for a while. Sometimes I also think like, for me at least, it's the ritual can help maybe more than the actual thing that I'm doing. So feeling like I'm taking some control of my life, even though it's a mirage and like having something to focus on that I can succeed at the ritual, even if it doesn't make a difference. Yeah. It's no, a, I, I, it like I creates all of this other stuff in your life when it's like, well, I don't work and I don't have any projects right now because projects yeah. aren't even possible. But like I can get out of bed once a day and take my supplements. And yeah, like yeah. it's satisfying, even if and that that can start to like for me make some changes some of the time in how I feel about my situation and how I feel yeah. about my situation can impact the whole experience, even if it doesn't actually change the like, you know what's really happening if that makes sense yeah i know exactly what you mean i mean the, the recent example i had was um uh me like me like everyone else on the planet uh i was going to try some cbd oil for you know generic 
value for reasons. Um, yeah, of that. course, you have to. Um, and uh, so, yeah, you know, I think there's something that fires in your brain a little bit when you go through the sort of symptom of, you know, researching and reading accounts and then trying to, you know, look at stuff with people with your illness talking about it specifically and then maybe other illnesses and, you know, all sorts of things. You know, for me, as someone whose research was really, really heavy in my in, in my job you know that probably spurs that part of my brain where I don't get to do that anymore and you know yeah I, I ended up finding like a brand where it's made in quite a picturesque part of the country and every, all the sales go to benefiting an animal shelter and stuff you yeah. know and so all, all those little loops yeah. I jumped through just to be like or order this thing that was a mini sort of journey in itself and yeah, yeah. I don't know that I'm not really helping but but it was satisfying yeah. right exactly yeah as a process yeah 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 and then sort of it broke up just being sort of um skewing a little bit and just consuming stuff i.e like resting or netflix or podcasts or whatever and yeah turned a bit more uh, proactive i guess yeah. yeah yeah and i think that is totally part of it like yeah and even when when things seem to work i think that can be part of it of like, yeah, oh, yeah. my whole attitude changed. Maybe it's this thing. And sometimes maybe it is a thing. But sometimes there's a, I mean, I guess that's a placebo effect. But like the whole, it's the whole process that may have helped yeah. rather than yeah, the yeah, yeah, one yeah. specific intervention. It's, yeah, nothing's yeah, been studied, so. <laughs> yeah, no, generally like my first sort of Google search is like, you know, insert a supplement or drug here plus CFS plus box plus chronic illness like whatever and yeah. you just find what I can oh, okay just patient reports again I guess yeah and that's that has to be your data set to try and you know suss stuff and oh this person seems to be like literally running again from it oh this person has been in bed t- for 12 months because of it and then everything in between yeah you know? so it's um yeah you just have to do it yeah so, you know. yeah otherwise like yeah, you do just have to do it. It's yeah. it's a weird it's a weird hobby, like interest <laughs> thing that I think we're all doing, even the people who don't talk about it very much. Yeah. And it's so like it's sort of so self involved, you know? Like, yeah. I mean I, I really don't want to spend this much time like on myself in a way. You yeah. know, like I just don't have any interest in doing that. Like, you know, my whole life up until when to this when it became like a real problem was basically like doing other things and being interested in things and putting stuff out into the world i like really no real interest in spending firstly healthy personal energy but now the level of energy that i do have into myself constantly just monitoring but, yeah but yeah. you got to do it so yeah yeah that's what ends up being <laughs> yeah yeah it's your like your awareness of your own body really changes because you have to pay attention. And then you're like, right. am I also seeing things that were happening anyway that I just didn't care about before? Yeah, like, yeah. what's yeah. going on in there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, is there anything uh, that stands out to you that you think about a lot or that you were thinking about earlier that we haven't gotten to yet? Um, not really. I guess we've... Um like about most of them i guess two uh maybe 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 two things just sort of really quickly yeah one is 
it's really interesting being a i think chronic the young man particularly online yeah um i think whether it's real or whether it's um that uh, just women are more open about on social media it seems like very um uh, so the majority of people who sort of seem to have illnesses like this or at least talk about it online are generally women um which i mean sucks for women but like um if what i think it's an interesting space if you're a man because you know maybe you're trying to find maybe the issues that you face are slightly nuanced or slightly different or you know yeah i'm um, sure that's true and so i think trying to find a healthy place to discuss that can sometimes be difficult i found mm -hmm. um i am in a few facebook groups uh, that i won't name uh, but often it's been really tough to find kind of non-toxic uh, male chronic illness groups that don't just go down the road of like let's just get really angry about everything basically yeah you know and, and like so so that's sort of quite interesting and, and tough as well yeah um and i think also um it's also interesting how um you know there are lots of people with chronic illnesses now with huge social media followings you know so they're talking about this stuff you know much more openly and so sort of, i think a lot of people seem to be much more aware of, of issues like that um that said there's still like a real way to go on people's general understanding on what exactly these things look like and how they affect people mm -hmm. and and i think you know we have huge amounts of work to do with representation and uh to tell stories that aren't just of white people who can afford to access what care there is yeah um as like the only faces of chronic illness yeah um, i mean you can see quite easily why that happens but um i definitely feel that kind of needs to be a priority for people who are at least involved in activism around this kind of stuff yeah um yeah i, I just it, it's sort of bad to say fascinating because i don't mean to sort of make a sort of um to know to make light of people's actual lives as if they're like something to study yeah but just as someone who has to sort of deal with and improve my own understanding of things like on a daily basis it's just really fascinating to see the amorphous blob that is the chronic illness community um and how it interacts with an uh, able community and back and forth and also internally and what things are conflicting within the community and all that sort of thing yeah so like when controversies just, come out <laughs> when controversy happens it's very it's terrifying and yeah. it just makes me want to go hide and not use the internet for a bit um yeah but yeah you know i mean i i was lucky to find a group of um people who are like similar ages to me and we all kind of message in like a group chat mm -hmm. um which is pretty good um but it cannot sometimes feel like um at least in britain that those spaces for young people don't necessarily exist in the same way as they do for people who are maybe like much much older and been ill like a very very long time yeah um, i think yeah i just wish there were more spaces for young people to hang out basically and not chat about the fact that they are ill all the time but you know what draws us together is 
that we're old, but also we like yeah. films and sport and books and other things, and we just relate to them in the way that's informed by the fact that we, we have a lot of moment. So, yeah. Sorry, I was like terribly. Uh, no, no, no. Them. I'm with you. I mean, <laughs> one like the gender stuff is super complicated, and I don't know because I think like with some diagnoses, they'll definitely skew one way or the other. But I also mm. have a lot of questions about how, um, how, how gender skews diagnosis for anything clinical. So, yeah. you know, for yeah. something like ME or like fibro, just like if you present with those symptoms, how does, again, everything about social location shape the way that your doctor will perceive it, which will shape the diagnosis you yeah. receive? I have a lot of questions about that that I don't have answers to right now. Um, but I'm, but yeah. And then beyond that, like how does gender inform who is comfortable talking about this stuff in public spaces and yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely hear that. And like, cause I know from, I am a woman and the conversations that I have when I'm talking to other women, like the things that we'll end up talking about that are gendered might be around like, you know, caretaking roles and all of this stuff and what it feels like to have that flipped. And so I think. I would love to hear more of like other parts of that conversation around. Yeah. How do my expectations, how, how are my expectations for my own life and my relationships shaped by this compared to what I may have expected otherwise based on my. Yeah. No, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 I yeah, know. I really hear that. Um, yeah. You and- know, and I think like if you, um, it also it doesn't always have to be all encompassing. So when about, about a year ago, which is when I sort of told everyone who I wasn't directly friends with that I was super real. I wrote, I wrote this like massive piece on Medium and it got like quite a lot of pickup and it was like kind of overwhelming. I just got tons of emails about it and, and whatever. But that was kind of a very all-encompassing like, you know, here is a huge chunk of I got ill, this is what it means here's loads about me here's loads about what the future means here's loads about treatment here's loads about doctors minimizing symptoms and it was like wow that that is like a big significant piece of writing but it doesn't always have to be like this is the entire story of of everything you know what right. I mean? you know, yeah. like, like snapshots are equally as valid and equally as um important to just tell you know so yeah when you, when you talk about you know, experiences and caretaking and stuff like that, you know, it doesn't have to be, well, here's from start to finish, how exactly this has uh, changed my entire life. Yeah. Know, it can just be, oh, so yeah, I have to rely on my mum way more than I thought I would when yeah. I was, you know, 29, probably yeah. more so than when I was nine yeah. in some ways, you know, and yeah. just talking to someone a little bit about that, you know, those are equally as valid as having to kind of, really spell out a huge narrative you and know which can be exhausting for everyone a whole context yeah yeah, yeah you know because yeah. probably you don't necessarily feel uh certain about what you feel about all of that all the time and yeah. it's okay to just shift how you think of things and um you know my awareness and understanding of uh disability issues has changed while i've been ill as well you know, yeah. I started off with a perception, then it was shattered, and then it was changed. And I now even disagree with some of the things that I thought I was very sort of socially progressive for thinking, uh, like a year ago, even for example. You know, yeah, and, and that's fine. So, yeah. 
yeah, it just um, it's all an adventure, <laughs> and uh, yeah, you know, you just have to try and get by. Yeah, yeah, I think that's the real thing is that you just <laughs> have to get by and figure out how to get by for you, which is different for everybody. Like, yeah, I mean, it's so thing. sort of mundane. You just have to yeah, just plod on with things and yeah, just accept that what works for you may not work for someone else, and just. Yeah, go with it and whether you're lucky enough to be supported by people around you or not just try and put one foot forward even if it's two steps back the next day so yeah well what a cliche um <laughs> yeah it's okay that's how our brains work sometimes yeah. they exist for a reason yeah 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 and it just it does life keeps going and you keep learning new things even if you're just in bed like living the world on twitter basically that's right. sometimes that happens. That's my my default state. Basically. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, why am I on this outside? <laughs> yeah, another day in a row. Yeah, it's just not good. And yes, I'm here again. I regularly, I realize, I'll be like browsing mostly Twitter, and then I'll close it, and then I will thoughtlessly immediately open it again. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I'm like, oh, I closed yeah, yeah. Twitter on purpose, and then I was holding my phone and thought, what should I do now? And then I just opened yeah. Twitter without realizing that I had just chosen to close it. Yeah, yeah. This is the yeah. state of <laughs> my brain I mean, and social media, I, I guess. I like, try and recognize when I'm, I get in this weird cycle of just, like, skipping between the same, like, four apps. So yeah. it's like, I've exhausted Twitter, so then I go to Reddit, and then I've already read everything on the front page, so then I go to, like, check my email as if anyone sends me emails so I don't really understand what I'm expecting to find there yeah and then back to the Twitter and then so it begins again you know yeah. it's like it's that's basically when I need, when I need to go rest I think yeah my phone's sh- short-circuiting and I just not not with it so yeah 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 sometimes also it is good to step away from all of them even if they yeah. are your primary social outlets right yeah, yeah which um which is a really really important point to raise and is often flies in the face of uh quite a few kind of trendy articles of you know you need to leave social media for your own good and stuff it's like well if i left twitter i would not see all the funny stuff that people i know post like literally very passively don't need to get in touch with them i can just see bits of their lives and that enriches my notes of it yeah so i yeah actually being told to, you know i should delete it for my own good is, is actually just not realistic at all so yeah. yeah just stuff is as long as it's working for you then do it so yes that i think is like the biggest takeaway of all I, <laughs> yeah. that's the truth of it if it's working for you then keep doing it and don't worry about whatever like a wellness editorial thing tells you right, right exactly yes yeah. <laughs> yeah perfect well thank you cool. so much for taking the time to talk to me and yeah it was really good precious i'm precious sorry energy. i run a bit Thank you for listening to episode 48 of No End in Sight. You can find Joseph on Twitter at Joseph Stash, the way that you think that is, J-O-S-E-P-H-S-T-A-S-H. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Venice B. And of course, you can find this show on Instagram at no.end.in.site.pod. Uh, I've been posting each episode as a story, but I haven't posted to the main feed in a while, which you know if you've been listening to this disclaimer every week. It's because I'm so behind on transcripts. 
Uh, but of course, the whole reason that I've started a Patreon account is to help with those transcripts. So I'll go ahead and plug that again. It's patreon.com slash no end in sight. Next week, I'll be talking to a woman with MS. So make sure you subscribe in your podcast app to find out when new episodes are available. And if you've been enjoying the show, I'd be so grateful if you'd leave a review on Apple Podcasts so that new listeners know what to expect from the show. As usual, don't forget that I have a small Facebook group called Chronic Hustlers for people living with chronic conditions who are self-employed. It's quiet but growing, and you'll even find a few podcast guests in the group. And finally, this podcast is supported by my cross-stitch company, Digital Artisanal. When I'm up for it, I make simple modern patterns that you'll actually want to hang in your home. I've got some fun fall patterns in the shop and dozens of very simple icons that you can customize or mix and match. Uh, And if you have any requests for icons that you've seen and you'd love to stitch, send them my way. Uh, I'd love it if you checked us out at digitalartisanal.com. Thanks for listening.